From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Chuck Quirmbach, filling in for Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. Well, hi, J.R. Welcome to the Independence Week veto special edition of Capital Notes. Thanks for having me. So Governor Tony Evers has the state budget before him. Remind us what a Wisconsin governor can do in this situation. It's quite expansive, the power that he has. Now, obviously, the first option is sign it in its entirety or veto in its entirety. He can also, though, use his partial veto authority or line item veto. And what he can do is he can write down numbers, we call it, which means if Republicans wanted to spend $10, you make it 9 He can't increase spending beyond what they approved. He can strike out language, uh, individual numbers, uh, punctuation, individual words. He cannot take two different sentences and stitch them together for a new sentence. He no longer can do the Vanna White veto, he called it, where you strike out individual letters. But, you know, he's still got a pretty good power to rework the thing, which is why Republicans went to great lengths before they passed the bill to go through the entire thing and look for language that he could use to veto and try to take it out to make sure they can, can maintain what they want, make it harder for him to veto things that he doesn't like. Well, certainly one of the most contentious items as the Senate and Assembly uh, looked at the budget and even late in the joint finance work was this tax cut plan that Democrats say, you know, really is weighted towards the wealthy. What can the governor do, given some constraints, as you described, what can the governor do in terms of uh, adjusting the tax cut proposal? Well, we believe he can veto the top tax cut completely. So that one would take the top bracket down from 7.65% down to 6.5. So we think he can knock that one out on its own. It's about $750 million over the two-year period, roughly. And one that came up during the debate in the Assembly was Evan Goyke, a Democrat from Milwaukee, pointed out that Republicans went through the language of the budget, especially with those tax cuts, and on the other reductions. Remember, we have four brackets right now. We basically take us to three and take two of the current brackets, make them one, essentially. Though the lower reductions, lower brackets, they tighten the language to make it harder to veto. They did not do it to the top one. Goyke's point was he thinks they're setting it up so that they avoid the possibility of the entire budget being vetoed because Evers is not a fan of lowering that top income tax bracket, which kicks in for married couples falling jointly above $405,000 in income. That takes away maybe the incentive to veto the entire thing makes more powerful the governor to have the option to nix that one but keep the others. Did you see uh, Republicans and their lawyers uh, with microscopes on how to do all this? How did they, how did they really accomplish this? Well, you, you know, they have experienced drafters, people they can work with in the fiscal bureau, their own offices who know language. And they just go through, like, it's little things like from changing may not to cannot. Cannot is one word, right? So if you have may not, you can strike out the not and just have may. So these go through and find stuff like that and try and correct the language. So besides the tax issue, uh, what else is the governor looking at? He's talking about all the partial vetoes he can muster. Well, it looks like the UW system, for example. Um, Republicans cut $32 million from the system budget, but they put that money aside, and it's called a supplemental appropriation, which basically means a budget committee has that money sitting there. The system can come back and say, hey, we are going to ask NICE to have the money released. We have the plans you want us to produce about how to spend the money. What do you say you hand it over, right? The governor could veto the money in that appropriation, then it's gone, period. So that makes no sense, right? I mean, he wants the assistant to get that money back. 
We'll see if they can meet the requirements that lawmakers have to get it, but I think he's going to veto that. Now, with the position cuts, that's kind of interesting because the UW system and the Madison campus have what's called position authority, which means they can create as many jobs as they want to, essentially. Um, now, they have some limits. They have to go through a process administratively, but the legislature sought to cut these positions related to diversity, equity, inclusion, also to reduce vacant positions, trying to prevent the system from moving people from the jobs that they want to cut into those vacant ones. But even with that, people tell me, if you're the system, you can just go ahead and you know create new jobs. Now, I don't know how quickly they can do it. There'd be any issues with those people who are you know, obviously in a little bit of limbo right now, wondering what's happening to their jobs. But uh, that's one thing I'm watching is, does the governor even try to veto any of that language? Can he? The way it was written, I'm not a lawyer or a, a bill drafter, so I can't tell you for sure what he could do with that component. But it looks like there are ways for the system around that cut of positions. Just might take them a while to get get there. These uh, state budgets matter to people financially, but there's also a political angle. What are the political messages coming out of the budget as things stand now on the Democratic side and on the Republican side? No, they're Democrats. They call it missed opportunity that we did not invest in these all these top priorities like subsidies for child care, that it's a tax cut skewed toward the wealthy. For Republicans, it is a historic budget that, you know, seeks to cut income taxes by $3.5 billion while also investing in schools and all these things. And you know, the reality is everybody won something in this budget. Everybody lost something uh, in this budget. So it was kind of a, a compromised document. Uh, and politically, you know, we'll see. I think really bigger than anything else of what this budget does to the, the campaigns next year is what maps do we have? We expect the lawsuit to challenge the current maps once there's a new liberal majority in the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. Um, that could change the dynamic a great deal because we've seen Democrats complain about budgets for years in Wisconsin saying, you guys had misplaced priorities, Republicans, we're coming after you come November of next year. And each November of even-numbered years, Republicans go, hey, nice try, but we survived. Different maps may make a different dynamic in that case, but I don't know for sure how that lawsuit's going to go, when it's going to be filed, if it'll be successful, what maps it'll produce, but there are a lot of what-ifs, but that might drive things more than just these budget votes about how the prospects look in the fall of 2024 for the Wisconsin legislature. Fascinating, sir. We'll be listening for your updates. Thank you very much. Anytime. That was J.R. Ross of wispolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Chuck Quirmbach. Check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>